Walters is back open to full capacity with bar service and their ever-so-popular self-pour beer wool. Think you've got what it takes to pour a perfect pint? Walters is the place to give it a shot from micro to macro and lunch to brunch. Walters is the place to be in Navy Yard. Reservations now open for the entire Nats homestand over at opentable.com. Walters is a great spot to hang out and watch the NBA playoffs with friends while the Nats are on the road. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Freeman at third, Albies at second, Almonte at first. And now the pitch. Swing and a fly ball. Shallow center. Turn around. It's going to fall in a base hit. Two runs will score on this play. On a ball hit off the end of the bat by Contreras. Freeman in from third. Albies around from second scores. And over to third goes Almonte. A single and two runs batted in for William Contreras. And it's now Atlanta three and Washington nothing. And welcome to Nats Chat for Tuesday, June 1st, 2021, along with Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman of MassInSports.com. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. Well, if you are a regular listener to the Nats Chat podcast, you heard us in the last installment of the pod discuss, was this rock bottom? The answer is no. Uh, We now wonder if now is rock bottom because the losing streak is at five. The record is at 21 and 29. That's a season worst, eight games below 500. And the Nationals now have totaled six runs over the course of the five games and the five-game losing streak. A 5-3 loss at the Atlanta Braves on Monday in game one of a big four-game series. So, Mark, with all the uncertainty with the Nats, at least we can say what happened on Sunday was not rock bottom in this season. Maybe this needs to be the new intro to every episode. We'll just start with the question, is this rock bottom, yes or no? And that'll give you the general state of things before we then move on to discuss that day's game. And as I told you, it can always get worse. And it is. Although, I mean, in a weird way, this game, like, it had like a little bit of a glimpse of something there in the middle as Joe Ross suddenly figured it all out after a terrible first inning. And after the lineup suddenly figured it out after a terrible first couple innings. But it just poof went away after that. And there was nothing else going on the rest of the way. And it was a very quiet final three innings of this game there was never really any glimmer of anything happening after that yeah it sure was Nats finished the game with just seven hits a homer and six singles three walks strikeout 10 times did not have another hit after the Jan Gomes first pitch leadoff infield single and the top of the sixth the Nats ended up doing a pretty good job against the Brave starter Charlie Morton Morton gives up three runs in five innings six hits three walks but the Braves bullpen completely shut down the Nationals. Four Braves relievers, Luke Jackson, A.J. Minter, Chris Martin, and Will Smith combined for four scoreless innings on four strikeouts. 
versus one hit and no walks. And that was it. Once Morton was out of the game, it was a completely different game. And the Braves bullpen has not been good as a unit. They've had some good performances within it. But as a group, they have not been good. And I actually, maybe it was foolish on my part. I was kind of waiting for something to happen late. I thought this might be the night that it happens against a weaker bullpen. Maybe those guys in the middle of the lineup, top of the lineup, will get something going. I even thought in the ninth, you've got Victor Robles making his return, Ryan Zimmerman facing a lefty, Trey Turner, who had an awful night at the plate, maybe would get something going. And then maybe you somehow get it to Soto against his old buddy, Will Smith, and something would happen. And it just didn't happen. It was one, two, three, nothing across. And there's just too many of these, you know? They may have one inning a game where they get something going, maybe one other inning where they have a shot at something, and that's it. And that's why, like, it feels like such a chore for them to win a baseball game right now. They need so many things to go right. And as soon as one thing doesn't go right, it's like, that's it. And and because they just don't give themselves enough chances to make things happen. And I think that's the most agonizing part of this is that, you know, you could say, okay, well, if Joe Ross just makes one more pitch in the first inning doesn't give up the three runs. If Trey Turner just makes contact in one of those situations with runners on base, they might actually win the game. But that's the problem is that they have to hit those couple of chances. And if they don't get those few opportunities that are game changing, they just don't have any others. They don't present themselves with any other opportunities. Yeah, it's a really bad lineup. It, It is. It's a lifeless lineup. It's not an exciting lineup. It's a lineup for which every little thing has got to go well. And even then, you know, that doesn't guarantee you anything. I think it has become so comical the extent to which Davey keeps reconfiguring the lineups. And and look, wh- like we've discussed, this is not a Davey Martinez problem. This is far more of a roster construction problem. But man, I mean, Davey doesn't stick with anything, okay? Juan Soto's the leadoff batter one day. He's back to being the number three batter the next day. Josh Harrison is down in the lineup one day. He's back to being the number two batter for this game. Kyle Schwarber seemed like a staple as a cleanup batter for a little while. That stopped with this game on Monday with Josh Bell in that spot. It's just like, I don't even know if there's a rhyme or reason anymore. And I don't know that I blame Davey. Like, he's just trying anything. But there's no commitment to anything. I mean, for weeks, right, he was batting the pitcher eighth and batting the center fielder ninth. Davey got off that. I mean, you could tell he's not committed to any of these things. You almost get the sense like he's closing his eyes and just throwing a dart at a board and just saying, okay, who bats leadoff tonight? Who bats in the seventh spot tonight? Like, that's kind of how it feels like with these lineups, game in and game out. Well, I've got some exciting news for you because he gave us a sneak peek at what Tuesday's lineup is likely going to look like. And Victor Robles is going to hit ninth. So here we go. Again. Are you kidding me? <laughs> nope. That's Are what you he serious? said. I am serious. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh God. Really? Why? That's what he said. It basically boils down to Robles was going well before he got hurt. He was doing it out of the ninth spot and he would like to put him back in a spot that he thinks he's comfortable in and let him have some success before he then potentially moves him back to the top of the lineup. I asked him about it. That was his answer. I was thinking about you the whole time because I knew what you were going to say to all this. But uh, barring a change of heart, I think that's what we're going to see on Tuesday night. Once he gets going and, uh, you know, we feel like he's got some consistency going on, you know, we may try to move him up to that leadoff spot like we did in spring training. Um, But for right now, you know, he was doing well at nine hole. He was getting on base for the top top of your order. So I want to keep him there for now. I like Davey a lot. I like so much about Davey. I don't understand this at all. This to me is mind boggling. This insistence on Robles in that number nine spot. We have identified so many times on this podcast specific moments in which it has damaged the Nats having the pitcher come up as a number eight batter. I just, I don't, I don't understand. I tell you what though, 
if the pitcher is Joe Ross, then maybe. Because Ross right now, it seems like he's like a consistent hitter for the Nationals. Every time the guy starts, he gets a significant hit. He did so again in this game on Monday. But geez, that, that, that's unfortunate. It is nice to have Robles back, though. Activated off the 10-day injured list on Monday. Gets in as a pinch hitter late in the game. Why didn't Robles start? If he was good enough to pinch hit, I guess, who were they just worried still about the ankle defensively? Yeah, so because he only DH'd in the rehab game for Harrisburg and didn't get to play the field, I think they just wanted to put him out there, let him go through the pregame stuff, take his defensive drills, and just make sure that everything was fine. He said he'd be available off the bench, and obviously he did. He pinch hit. And then they figured give him that one day and then put him back on Tuesday. Now, I think in a perfect world, he might have had one more rehab game on Monday. The problem is the minor league schedule this year, because they're reducing their travel, everybody's playing six-game series. And what that means is that there's literally no minor league games on Mondays. Everybody's off. So unless they wanted to wait an extra day on top of that, they figured, let's bring him down to Atlanta. Let's activate him. We'll have him off the bench while he works out before the game. And then on Tuesday, he'll be in the lineup. Now, they're facing lefties the next two days. So that's a better matchup also. Maybe they figured one more shot with Stevenson against the righty, Morton on Monday, but that was the philosophy behind it. I think he probably could have played center field and started this game, but because they weren't there to see him in uh, Bowie for that game, I think they just wanted to put their own eyes on him and just let him run through all the drills and make sure that they look fine. Well, I think we like a lot about Andrew Stevenson, and we've noted some of the things he's done well defensively, but like a lot of guys on this Nats team, he's being asked to do things that he really shouldn't be asked to do. He's not an everyday outfielder. I think we've seen that. Another over at the plate on Monday. So I know Robles has not been lights out, and I guess now he'll be buried again in the nine spot, but Robles is a better batter than Stevenson. Obviously, Robles has more upside as a batter than Stevenson, so it's going to be nice to have Victor Robles back in there. And he was doing some things well when he got hurt. That was one of the unfortunate things about that ankle injury that he suffered in that game at the Cubs. So I'm anxious to see him back, and you know, hopefully he can be the second leadoff man, as Davey has insisted uh, Robles batting ninth can be. Hey, everyone. Tim Shover is here to tell you again about Sunday Scaries CBD Gummies. Sunday Scaries is here to hook up our listeners for your first order. Go to sundayscaries.com and type in Nats Chat. That's one word in the promo code to get 25% off your first order. Again, it's sundayscaries.com. When you enter the promo code at checkout, type in Nats Chat to receive 25% off your first order. They have plenty of options, including oils, gummies, and bath bombs. What's a bath bomb? I'm not quite sure, but sundayscaries.com can bring you up to speed. I've been using the gummies, which helps you fall right asleep. Sometimes I don't sign off for the night until 3 a.m. or later. So Sunday Scaries is a big help. So if you're someone who needs help chilling out after a long day of work, Sunday Scaries is a great option for you. And Sunday Scaries appeals to a wide range of people, whether you're a stressed out parent, overworked college student, or everything in between. To recap, sundayscaries.com, promo code NATSCHAT to save 25% off your first order. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The 0-2, swinging a high, high drive, deep center field. Back on this one is Heredia to the track, at the wall, leaps, and it's gone! It just clears, and Josh Bell with a two-run homer has the Nationals on the board. Well, if we're going to harp on all the negatives with the Nats offense, I guess we should highlight uh, the one true positive of the game, and that was a home run from Josh Bell, a good-looking home run on an 0-2 pitch in what ends up being a Nationals three-run fourth inning. Bell, who was the Nats' cleanup batter on Monday, provides a two-run homer. Really good piece of hitting by Bell. It's not been perfectly linear, his progress here these last few weeks. He did not have a good series in the three-game sweep to the Brewers at Nationals Park. But he clearly has been better than he had been. And uh, that was a nice homer, a good piece of hitting by Bell in that spot in that three-run fourth on Monday. Yeah, and he's been doing that, driving the ball to left center field over the fence. That's a good sign that it's not just pulling everything. So he's staying on the pitches outside. Two-strike approach, that's great that he's doing that with two strikes. I mean, he's got over a 900 OPS over his last 17 games. So, you know, that's good. That's what you want. Maybe there are nights within that he's not looking good. And I think that's just who he is. I don't think he's ever going to be a Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, just consistent at bat to at bat. But he is a guy that on any given night can go off and have a big game for you. And I think that's what they knew they were getting. So, I mean, that was good to get that. Now, he did fly out on a 3-0 pitch in the first inning when they had a chance to take a lead, two on and one out. And I know people see that sometimes when you make it out on a 3-0 pitch and they get upset at it. I don't have a problem with it here. A 3-0 count, especially for a struggling team, if you get a pitch over the plate in a spot that you're looking for, you have a high percentage of getting hit on that. And he just didn't get it. He popped it up and got under it and hit it to left field. So I don't take issue with that. I know for some fans, they have problems with it. But if you just take a fastball down the middle, now it's 3-1. and one. You don't know what he's going to throw you after that. Davey has consistently talked about how they take too many fastballs early in the count. So I think that was the right approach there. Unfortunately, the wrong result. They had that opportunity in the top of the first to actually set the tone for once, take a lead, maybe take some pressure off Joe Ross. And the bottom of the first was a disaster for Joe. And that first inning just kind of encapsulated everything that's going on with this team right now. It did so much. One more thing on Bell. It has felt this way to me, and I looked it up, and sure enough, it is. Josh Bell, for whatever reason, has been money on 0-2 pitches so far this year. I'll grant you this is a small sample size, but he hit the homer on Monday on an 0-2 pitch. Bell on 0-2 pitches this season is 3-for-10 with a homer, two doubles, seven runs batted in. He's been one of the better hitters on the Nationals in 0-2 counts this year. I don't know why that is. Again, it might just be a fluky thing, a small sample size type thing. But for a guy who's had this bad of a season, he's actually done a lot of damage on 0-2 pitches so far this year. So go figure. Yeah, we'll take that. That's something I didn't realize that when I hadn't really noticed that. But what, three hits and two doubles and a homer? So each of the hits are extra bases. 
Right. And obviously, he's not necessarily racked up the extra base hits so far this year. So he's, he's gotten a good bit of them in that spot. All right. So I think if someone was new to the game of baseball, or at the very least new to following the Nationals, and said, what is the deal with Joe Ross? Tell me about Joe Ross. What kind of a pitcher, what kind of a career has Joe Ross had? I think all you have to do is show that person a tape of this 5-3 loss at Atlanta on Monday, and you've got it right there. This game, to me, was the perfect microcosm of Joe Ross, because he looked awful early in the game, allows four runs over the first two innings, actually four runs over his first inning and a third, and then he's lights out. This was unbelievable. It's hard to remember a game this season in which a guy went from looking that bad to this good. Joe Ross gives up four runs over his first inning and a third. He then, over his final three and two-thirds innings, retires all 11 batters he faces with six strikeouts. He ultimately allows four runs in five innings, but that doesn't tell the story of this game. He finishes with seven strikeouts in five innings, and you're left with, I think, a conclusion that we've all had with Joe Ross, which is, well, now what? Now what what are we supposed to think about this guy? He's had such a Jekyll and Hyde season. Some starts he's looked good. Some starts he's looked awful. And in this start on Monday, he looked both great and awful in the same start. How do you digest what we saw from Ross in this game? I don't know. I mean, at the end of that first inning, I will admit I'm thinking to myself, because we've been having this discussion for weeks now. Well, there it is. There's your answer about who's going to lose their rotation spot finally. Yeah. And then at the end of the night, you're saying, well, hang on a second. Maybe he is the right one to stay in there based on what he did. That was such a remarkable turnaround from an awful, truly awful first inning where he's throwing the ball all over the place. He cannot put anybody away. It's walking batters. Now, I mean, he wasn't hit hard. The two hits were basically check swings, but that wasn't the problem. It was the three walks and the fact that he just could not put anyone away. It was 32 pitches, 17 strikes in that inning. And what happened after that? Well, if you notice, his velocity started to go down as the game went on and he was throwing 90, 91, 92, but he was getting swings and misses on it. He wound up with 22 swings and misses in five innings. That's like Max Scherzer kind of swings and misses. That's insane. And he's doing it without what didn't look like great stuff, at least from a velocity standpoint. But I think what happened is he was a little like amped up in the first inning and he's overthrowing his fastball and was spraying it all over the place and couldn't locate anything. And once he sort of like settled down and like took a little bit off of it, He actually was locating and you can get swings and misses when you throw pitches in the right spot. So it's a great lesson. You just wish he would learn it and stick with it and not do this every few times he takes the mound because there's clearly ability there. There's a reason they've stuck with him as long as they have and why there are glimpses of what he can be. But he's just got to find a way to put this all together consistently because it's just maddening watching this otherwise. It really is. And you're so right about that three-run first inning and Ross not being able to put people away. He has Ronald Acuna Jr. down 0-2, gives up a leadoff single. Ross had Ozzy Albies down 0-2, ends up issuing a full count walk. Ross had William Contreras down 0-2, gives up a two-out, two-run single on an 0-2 pitch. Ross had Dansby Swanson down 1-2, gives up a one-out RBI sack fly. Could not put anyone away. You know, and and you're saying to yourself, like, well, geez, you know, he's not really a strikeout pitcher, so maybe we shouldn't be stunned. And then he ends up being a strikeout pitcher as the game goes on. It was something else. I mean, here's the bottom line. Joe Ross now over 10 starts this season has an ERA of 540, a whip of 141. It's It's not a good season. Those are not good numbers. But within those 10 starts are some really bad starts. He's actually had some good starts. You know, you look back at like his last outing, 
that bizarro uh, rain-suspended game. So he pitched on Wednesday night in the game that was completed on Thursday afternoon. Ross pitched well in that game, four scoreless innings with four strikeouts. It was kind of a shame we didn't get to see more of Ross there. And it's, you know, a snapshot into, hey, he can be good. He can be effective. And he's the kind of guy Ross is, like, just when you're ready to give up on him, he'll do something that makes you say, I don't know, you know, maybe there is something to Joe Ross. And and conversely, just when you're ready to buy into him, uh, you know, there is another clunker, you know, that sort of thing. It kind of feels like that's been his career. And I guess especially now with Eric Fetty, not good to start for at least another start, right? I guess he has to make another rehab outing or make a rehab outing. Ross is going to be in the rotation for at least a little while longer. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, we had speculated that maybe Fetty would come back on Wednesday night when they need someone. And uh, Davey kind of put the kibosh on that, saying that he feels like Fetty just needs like a true rehab start to get up to five innings. He went four innings and 65 pitches in a simulated game on Saturday. And Davey didn't think that would be enough also because that would end up forcing him to pitch on short rest, essentially. And I know it's a simulated game, so it's not a real game, but it would be only three days of rest. And so I don't think they want to do that. But the problem is they don't really have someone. I don't know if we're looking at Austin Voth, Paolo Espino, or somebody being called up. The saving grace of what Joe did on Monday, as bad as that first inning looked and as high as his pitch count was, I'm thinking they're going to have to go to the bullpen early and that could have a domino effect on Wednesday's game. So thankfully they didn't have to do any of that. Now I think you can tell on Tuesday, if you don't see either Voth or Espino or even both of them even warming up, then you'll know one of those two, if not both of them is going to pitch on Wednesday to get them through that game. So that was a saving grace, I guess, for Ross in this one. Let me ask you one other thing about him because I'm curious for your opinion on this. Because he finished as strong as he did, and now his spot's coming up. And he's, we've seen he can hit. <laughs> There's two straight games now with an RBI single. His spot's up with a man on third and one out in the sixth in a what's now a one-run game. And Davey pinch hit for him with the Adiel Hernandez. Hernandez ends up grounding out. The infield's drawn in. They can't score the run. Would you have thought about pushing Ross? Give him a chance to hit there? And even if he doesn't come through, maybe try to get another inning out of him? Yeah, I, I can't blame Davey for that, especially with how effective Yadiel has been as a pinch hitter this season. I don't have an issue with that. I, I think with Ross, too, there is an element of you get out while the getting's still good because you don't know for how much longer the good is going to be in effect. I mean, I, I hear where you're coming from on that, and I guess there is a justification for it, but no, I mean, especially when, you, when you're scuffling, like the Nats are scuffling offensively, and you do have a guy in Hernandez who, for whatever reason, has been really good in this pinch hitting role, especially lately, uh, I did not have a problem with that. Okay. I'm actually with you on that. I thought maybe there was a chance you have the uh, contrarian opinion on that. I was not necessarily a big fan of Stevenson sack bunting Gomes over to third for the first out to then set up the pinch hitting uh, at bat. I, I would rather have seen him at least take a shot at driving him in himself, but um, that's the way they play it here. It's odd with Davey because he comes from this you know analytics background, right, with Joe Madden, and yet Davey will do things that are anti-analytics, like the sacrifice bunting. I remember in the 2019 postseason, he did it a ton with Adam Eaton. And that was like the one thing that postseason that drove me nuts. Davey was masterful with so many things he did that October, but he like insisted on Eaton constantly sacrifice bunting. And, you know, like this pitcher batting ninth thing that we keep harping on. I don't know. He's got these little things that he wants to do. With sacrifice bunting, we brought this up before, the run expectancy basically always goes down. Unless it's a pitcher, you should not be sacrifice bunting, especially before like I don't know, the seventh or eighth inning. If it's a really close game, eighth inning, ninth inning, maybe you can justify sacrifice punting. Otherwise, your run expectancy basically always goes down uh, when you sacrifice punt. Even with a guy like Andrew Stevenson, who we just said isn't a great hitter, still let him hit because you are lessening the likelihood of you scoring a run. 
Hey guys, Al Galdi here to tell you about FanDuel. I'm so excited that we have baseball. There's nothing like watching a game with great weather, a cold drink, and a little action on FanDuel Sportsbook. If you've never bet on baseball before, now's actually the perfect time to give that a shot because FanDuel is letting new users swing for the fences risk-free. You'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. And once you have an account, you can get up to $25 back each day if your same-game parlay bet falls one leg short. This way you can combine multiple baseball bets for an even bigger win all season long. Games on Tuesday evening include Miami-Toronto in Buffalo at 7.07. Starting for the Blue Jays, the former Nationals prospect, Robbie Ray, who's having a pretty good 2021 off having struggled the last few seasons, consider Toronto as the play. There's a reason that FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds in all different betting markets, unique fun bet types like same game parlay and always on promotions that let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code chat to get in on the action. 21 plus and present Colorado, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, or West Virginia. First on my real money wager, only for risk-free bet. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site. Credit that expires in seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanal.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 109-WITH-IT, Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 100-GAMBLER, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia. Tennessee, 1-800-889-9789. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Are you interested in buying or selling your home? Support for Nats Chat comes from Rachel Levy of Compass Real Estate. By focusing on the personal parts of the real estate process and using technology to simplify the rest, Rachel seamlessly guides her clients through their experience. Rachel uses her deep local knowledge and exceptional customer service to advocate for her clients all across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. To learn more, follow her on Instagram at Real Estate Rachel. Well, you brought up the bullpen. Three Nats relievers end up being utilized on Monday. It does end up being another game in which the bullpen gives up a run, albeit one run. I mean, like we keep saying, the bullpen's not going to be perfect every game, but it does feel like every game the bullpen's giving up at least a run or two here. Kyle Finnegan gave up a run in the bottom of the sixth inning. Could have been worse. Could have been a lot worse. Boy, I tell you, he gives up a two-out walk to uh, A. Ray Adrianza in a 10-pitch plate appearance. And Finnegan, I mean, he was scuffling in that inning, but he only ends up giving up the one run. Sam Clay, perfect bottom of the seventh. Tanner Rainey, good to see this. Scoreless bottom of the eighth with a couple of strikeouts. What jumped out at you watching Finnegan, Clay, and Rainey, if anything, on Monday? That Finnegan inning was the relief equivalent of Joe Ross's first inning. It was torture Yeah, watching it. 33 pitches, just couldn't put guys away. And what was so bizarre to me is he gives up hits to the seven and eight hitters, then walks the pinch hitter for the pitcher. So he loads the bases. And what's he do? He strikes out Acuna, the most dangerous hitter there is, with a a beautiful 3-2 pitch. So (laughs) I don't know. That one was kind of maddening. He was fortunate to get out of it with only the one run and keep the game still close. If he gives up any more than that, this game is over for sure. I mean, it still felt like it was a big challenge to come back from two runs. But, you know, anything more than that, forget about it. And good sign from Rainey. You know, he needed that. Let's see him now do it consistently more than once. But that was, a you know, at least one little positive development from this. Yeah, it was. It, it was nice to see that with Tanner Rainey. So here we are, five consecutive losses for the Nationals, eight games below 500. That's a season worst on the season. You do have Steven Strasburg pitching in game two on Tuesday night at 720. But of course, with Strasburg, we don't know. You know, we're still kind of waiting to see him, you know, round into form and be the Strasburg we know he can be. He's coming off kind of an uneven outing 
Uh, Steven Strasburg in his last game, that 3 nothing seven-inning loss to the Cincinnati Reds last Thursday night. Three runs in five innings on five strikeouts versus five hits, a walk, and a hit by pitch. He threw just 49 strikes versus 38 balls on 87 pitches. If you remember some of the specifics of that game, he got babbitt a ton. He gave up uh, two runs in the top of the fifth on a string of unlucky hits uh, from Strasburg's perspective by the Reds. So there is that. You know, obviously, he's still working his way back from the injury. Nats are facing Max Freed. So Freed's overall numbers for the season are not good, but he's been much better lately. Max Freed had an ERA of 150 over four starts in May. So here we go again with the Nats facing a pretty good starting pitcher. But clearly, the bigger item here is Strasburg. The Nats need him to become the pitcher he's paid to be. And Hopefully, we start seeing that here in what you know shapes up to be a pretty big game. This is a big series, period. Nats are obviously reeling right now. It would be lovely to see Strasburg go out there and dominate. Well, and he's going to be facing a much tougher lineup than he has in his previous two outings since coming off the IL. He's got the Orioles and he got the Reds. And I did wonder if his results in any way were a product of, of who he was facing because he did seem to get away with some stuff. He's not going to be able to get away with it against this Braves lineup, which while not perfect and maybe not quite as imposing as it was last year, still leads the National League in home runs, slugging, OPS. There's a lot of thunder in there, and Strasburg has faced them a lot. They've had some success against him, uh, Freddie Freeman especially. He's got to be on point, and if he's not throwing you know, more than 92-93, which may be the norm for him right now, he's going to have to locate extremely well. And his off-speed stuff is going to have to be outstanding. Now, the curveball was really good last time. It's going to have to be good from the get-go along with the changeup in this one because this is a much tougher assignment for him. And Max Fried, like you said, it's been a strange season for him. He was hurt for a while. The Nats faced him and hit him hard way back on opening day. But I think he's a different pitcher now than he was then. Now, being the lefty, I feel like they have been better against lefties. They put out a better lineup with Zimmerman in there. We'll see Robles, even though he's at the bottom. I feel like that's maybe a little advantage for them. Trey Turner, Josh Harrison facing a, a, a lefty starter, but they got to get something early. They got to take the pressure off Strasburg. We keep saying it every single night, but it is true. They're, they're climbing uphill every single night when they're down early. They can just do something, score one or two runs early, take some of the pressure off. I think it would go a long way. Uh, you mentioned Zimmerman, so he will start Tuesday night, right? There's no doubt about that. I assume so. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, he's been starting against lefties and he's killing lefties hitting like 380 off of him this year. And, and that's a continuation of what he's been doing for years. So yeah, I think so. Now it's back-to-back lefties, Freed and then Smiley the next two days. So will we see Zim start back-to-back games? You know, maybe, maybe they'll do that. And then a day game on Thursday, they'll go back to Josh Bell, but I'll, I'll be curious at that. I think at this point, and it's not even a knock on Bell at all, but if the way Zim's going, if you're facing a lefty, he's got to play. You got to give him as many at bats against lefties as you can and stick him right up there in the number three spot and hope that he comes up with Turner and Soto on base. So, we haven't really talked about the great piece you wrote about Ryan Zimmerman recently for MassInSports.com. I'm assuming most people listening have read it, but if not, you should definitely check it out. And I, th- I think the takeaway for a lot of us, I know for me, was the plan and this infrequency of Zimmerman playing is something that Zimmerman is very much on board with. Like, he, Zimmerman's like, hey, this is part of why I'm doing so well because I'm playing so infrequently. That said, and this is kind of, I guess, a nuancey question, but do you think we could push it a little more? Like, do you think Zimmerman would be on board with playing a little more than he's playing? Because he really isn't playing that much. He's certainly not starting that much. Or do you think, no, like this infrequency is in fact what Davey has to adhere to in order to keep Zimmerman both healthy and productive? I think he could do a little more. And, and he knows that he can. At the moment, it's like two starts a week tops. 
maybe they could get to two or three <laughs> starts. Yeah, I think he'd be okay with that. But I think the reason it hasn't happened, but number one, it's still early enough in the season that they do want to make sure that Zim doesn't get worn down at all because maybe, as was the case with Howie Kendrick a few years ago, they backed off him early. But when it really came to crunch time at the end, because he was so good for them, he starts playing every day because they needed him in there. Now, who knows how this season is going to play out? But you want to at least know that you have Zim at that point fresh and not uh, you know risk losing him before then. So th- I think that's one part of it. But I think it's also just the understanding that this team isn't going anywhere without Josh Bell being a big part of it. That's the way they're built. It's going to have to ha- happen. So by sticking with them through the tough times, he has started producing, and maybe that will pay off in the long run. Yeah, Zim can play more, but is that helping you maybe win a game or two here or there, but at the expense of getting Bell right for the long haul, which I think they feel like is going to have to happen if they're going to win this year. 21 and 29 is the record for the Nationals. The offense remains in some kind of rut. We'll see if things can pick up to any extent against Freed on Tuesday night. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter. The Nats Chat Podcast is on Twitter. You can reach us at Nats underscore chat. You can always email the podcast as well, Podcast at gmail.com, including emailing us your voice memos. Just record yourself into your smartphone saying or asking whatever you want, and then email that to us. And uh, also, if you'd like to become a sponsor of the Nats Chat Podcast, hit us up, Podcast at gmail.com. Nats Chat Podcast t-shirts remain available. Only larges remain, but you can get yours at natschatpodcast.square.site. The Nats may not be playing well, but that doesn't mean that you can't look great wearing a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of of 1067 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast.